This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. talking because my mic's like so I was gonna say you know Ellie's in the house when you hear a random period in the audience um, she's like the new form of visco girl I don't know what the new form of visco girl is but if it was a new form it would be Ellie Varner so what Michael has a question uh, at least six months maybe longer See, you know how much you love me? You just proved it. Thanks, Michael. So uh, if those of you are wondering where's the little short white guy, he decided to go to the beach. Um, So when you see Morgan or talk to Morgan, tell him, way to choose sand over Jesus. I mean, right, right. Um, How many of you guys have been to the beach this summer? How many of you guys have been to the beach more than once this summer? You just got back. I saw your pictures. Um, how many of you guys would just like live at the beach if you could live at the beach? Like if that was an option, I'm there. Sign me up, coach. Put me in. Um, here's a question I've been dying to wonder. Wondering to die. Nope, that's not right. Dying, dying to know. Dying to know. Thank you, John. Um, why do people in southern Illinois go to PCB like it's the best beach ever? Just question. Just you said it the other day. I thought it. Correct. Like there's a lot of beaches in Florida, outside of Florida. Every family I see on Facebook, they're all at PCB. It's like the new, more affordable seaside. Anyone ever been to seaside? Let's prove you're, you're rich. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> When I was growing up, PCB was not known for its family-friendly atmosphere. So that's why it's kind of shocking to me that everyone now goes to PCB. It was known for partying and drugs and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's what all of... 
That's all we did at church camp. Jokes. Anyways, um, I don't know about you, but did any of you ever have, like, dreams growing up? Like, maybe you thought, when I grow up, I'm going to be X. Or when I grow up, I want to do this. Um, I lived, grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, so Rocket City is what it was affectionately named. And a lot of the kids in my elementary school grew up, and they wanted to be astronauts. Anyone in the room wanted to be an astronaut when you were a little kid? Luke Cooper? It's, I, I know it's, it involves science. Embarrassing times when you want to be an astronaut. All right, on the count of three, I want to hear what you wanted to be when you were growing up. All right. One, two, three. Awesome. A firefighter. That's another popular one. Um, some people would say police officer. Some people might say, I didn't know what I want to be, which is fine. Um, there was a season in my life when I was growing up, I really liked drawing and sketching things. And if I were to be honest, I wanted to become an amazing artist, like just amazing I wanted to work for Pixar or Disney, and there's a period where I thought drawing would be the most important thing that I ever did in my entire life. Anyone in the room know how to draw? Anyone in the room like decent at drawing? All right. What about if you can draw a pretty mean stick figure? Anyone in the room that you can give you a stick figure and you're going to knock it? out of the park. So I like got so into drawing that I would watch these YouTube videos on how to draw, had these YouTube playlists set up. I had a sketchbook, I downloaded drawing apps, and I spent a lot of time trying to learn how to draw. For a few days, I was committed. I was going to be the best sketch artist or drawer that Disney or Pixar had ever seen. I learned, I studied, I drew, and I improved. And at some point, I misplaced my sketchbook. And on one day, I got on YouTube to watch some drawing videos, but I got distracted and ended up watching other videos. Anyone ever go to YouTube for one purpose, and then like two hours later, you're still standing there, and you're like, why am I watching this video? You're like down the rabbit trail our rabbit hole. That's what happened to me. So long story short, here I am today, a pastor, not Disney or Pixar's best illustrator or drawer. I'm just, you know, I kind of gave up on that dream. Right. Thank you, Jacob. I knew that was you because no one else has sympathy or empathy like you do. Everyone else is like halfway listening. So, um, so my question would be, has something like that ever happened to you? You had this big dream, idea, or goal, and you spent a lot of time pouring your energy, your effort, your time, your soul into becoming great at it. You even started to put in work, and then maybe you forgot about it, or something happened that shifted your thoughts. Maybe for you, it wasn't drawing. Maybe you wanted to start your own YouTube channel. I'm mad, eh? 
You vlogged an entire day, but then you were too tired or lazy to actually edit it and upload it. You said that you'll get to it tomorrow, but tomorrow never came, and eventually too many days passed, and you forgot about it. Maybe you're an athlete, and you had goals to level up your skills. You would get better shape. You thought you would get in better shape over the summer, but things didn't go as planned. Too many skipped workout days, and eventually you just felt disconnected from your passion you had around you and your original goals. Or maybe you're smart, or you want to be smart, because your parents tell you that's how you pay for college. So you were going to work on raising your GPA last year, and you spent a lot of time, or thought you were going to spend a lot of time doing extracurricular activities and boosting your GPA to get into your dream college and doing whatever it took to end the year smarter. You thought that last August, and then May came around, and your GPA was a little worse in May than it was in August. I don't know if anyone in the room can relate to that. (laughs) Michael, we're not supposed to be calling people out. But here's what I know. The quickest way for something to go from super important to kind of forget about it is for it to be out of our sight. You know what they say, out of sight, out of mind. It's really a real thing. And this this just isn't true about the activities or goals that we have in our life. Think about it when it comes to people, like friends. When we lose connections with our friends, what happens? I know what happens for me. Sometimes we fill our heads with ideas about things that may have changed since we last saw them. Are we really still friends? I haven't talked to them in X amount of days. Are they mad at me for something that I said or did and they're just not telling me about it? Did they replace me with someone else? You see, sometimes friendships slowly drift apart We begin to question things and doubt the friendships, and it all starts with the lack of interaction or time together. So what happens with us in a dream we want to accomplish but end up abandoning is the same thing that happens with our friends when we want to stay close, but we end up drifting far apart from them. You see, we have a goal. We have an end in mind. But without making a habit out of the work to make the goal a reality, the dream dies, the friendship fizzles, and just like that, things don't turn out the way that you want them to. You see, because without making a habit out of spending time with people that we care about, or without making a habit out of practicing skills that we want to get better at, we don't accomplish what we want. And here's what I know to be true. Many of you this summer started exciting journeys on your walk with Jesus. Some of you got saved at camp, or some of you rededicated your life at camp. Some of you took your next step and got baptized this summer. You would say that you are at the beginning or at a very exciting point in your relationship with God. But I also know there's a lot of people in this room that's been following Jesus for a while. But you don't want to drift apart from him. 
Then there might be a third category of people in the room tonight. If I had to guess, I would say some of you have the same sort of experience with God already. You've already had the salvation moment. You've already taken your next step in being baptized. You're already serving, but you feel like your relationship with God is starting to fizzle out. The goal you had of feeling close to him, you feel like you never reached it. Or maybe you did reach it, and all of a sudden, you don't feel as close to him now as you once did. Every time you come to tribe night or go to church or go to a summer camp, you feel like, I'm just knocking on the door, waiting to get closer to God, and yet it won't happen. And maybe you have found yourself wondering why that is, wondering why feeling connected to God can be hard. And maybe you think to yourself, is it because God is invisible? Is that why I can't feel close or connected to him? Or maybe for you, he just feels kind of far away. He's not like a real friend, you know, that you can pick up the phone and text or call or send a Snapchat to. I mean, that might be a little weird if we could Snapchat God. I don't know how he would respond. You think God does streaks? Maybe? A hundred percent. And he waits like day 364 and then he like accidentally doesn't respond. Maybe not. Or it seems strange to you to figure out a way to talk to someone you don't have a text thread with. Or maybe you even wonder if you did something wrong that caused God to distance himself from you. I know when I was your age, I would think things like, if I say a bad word, or if I do something that I'm not supposed to do, if I disobey my parents, then that's the reason that I felt this distance from God. So if that's where you are tonight, I just want you to know that you're not alone in thinking that. Whatever idea you have of what you think a relationship with God looks like, maybe it just isn't happening and it feels a bit like the goal you had to get closer to him, you've had to abandon. Or maybe it feels just like that friendship that you once had that's fizzled out. And the question you're asking is, is this the way it has to be. You see, when Jesus was on earth, he had a moment when he was surrounded by several religious experts. This happened all of the time. They loved asking Jesus questions. They loved trying to learn more from him. And a lot of times they loved trying to trick Jesus and catch him in a half-truth or a lie. They were trying to mess him up. And in this particular instance, they wanted to catch him saying something that would cause him to lose influence and to ruin his reputation. And at one point, one of these religious leaders asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was. You see, these religious leaders thought they understood God and knew his law way better than anyone else. They were in no danger of not knowing these laws or forgetting about God. They weren't in danger of not following God's rules from front and center of their entire lives. But in this moment, in front of a crowd of many people, they asked Jesus, out of the hundreds of laws that they knew of and commandments, which one would he make number one? And in the moment, Jesus responded with an answer that every one of the teachers and experts of the law would have known by heart because they had heard it their entire lives. 
we find Jesus' Jesus's response in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 30. It says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You see, Jesus tells us what he wants us to do. Love an invincible, invisible God with everything that we have. But he doesn't say how at that moment. Later on in the story, Jesus goes on to illustrate to help explain that. You see, John, one of Jesus' closest followers and friends, records a big conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And the conversation is similar to this question that these religious leaders had just asked Jesus. Jesus knew that while he was visible to his friends at the moment, that he wouldn't be visible to them for much longer. Eventually, he would have to return to heaven and his friends at that moment, from his friends at that moment, and he would no longer be walking around on earth for them to see. It didn't mean that Jesus would no longer exist. He would just no longer be visible in the way they had gotten used to seeing him. With that in mind, Jesus gave them this illustration found in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 5. It says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, John chapter 15 is one of my favorite chapters out of the entire Bible. If you're not careful, you will quickly overlook the power of this one verse. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So for those of you who have paper Bibles, these words would appear in red. Like these are things that Jesus said. Now, back in this day, agriculture and farming were common and popular, almost as common and popular as cell phones are today. It was part of everyday life. Everybody at this time of Jesus saying this knew about farming, vines, and plant life. They would have known immediately as Jesus said this, that the branch of a plant can only create fruit if that fruit is connected to the nutrients the vine produces. So let's put it in terms that we would use today. It would be like saying that a power cord gets the electricity it needs from the power outlet to give power to whatever is plugged into it. So you got to plug something in to get the power to use the device. The verse written a little differently would go something like this. I am the power outlet. You are the cord. If you remain in me and I in you, you will power many devices. Apart from me, you can power nothing. It's a huge and powerful statement that Jesus is telling his disciples. You see, most of us have things in our home that need to be plugged into an outlet in order to work, whether it's a television or a hair straightener or a coffee pot or a video game console. The list can go on and on for days. Think about the incredible things you can do and all of the people you can connect with through your phone or, let's say, an Xbox. If your Xbox is connected to an outlet, it can do wonders. If your Xbox is unplugged, it's basically just a pile of metal junk, a $300 pile of metal junk, but a pile of metal junk. If your phone is connected to an outlet, 
or has power. It's the single most innovative piece of technology of all time. Think about it. A lot of us are walking around with supercomputers in our pockets. If your phone has no battery left, it has all the potential in the world, but that's all it is, potential. It's effectively just a paperweight. If your device is connected to an outlet, it has true power. If your device has no electricity, it's dead. This is a lot like you in your relationship with God. You have so much power and you have so much potential to do so many things. You can love your friends. You can serve your family. You can make wise decisions. You can pursue God's plan for your life. You can even change the world right where you are simply by living the life that God has called you to live. You can do all of those things and more in your everyday life if you're plugged into him. So we can't rush past John 15 that apart from him, we can do nothing. That's when you begin to bear fruit, which is equal to your devices being plugged in and powered up. When you're connected to God, you get to live as the single greatest creation of all time. God said so when he made you. He said you were uniquely made and made with a purpose that only you could fulfill. But if you aren't connected, you have all the potential in the world, but there's something standing in your way. You are still the greatest creation of all time, but there's a gap between where you are and where you could be. We need to stay connected to God to know God, and we need to know God in order to love God more. And loving God, that's what Jesus said was the most important commandment of all time. And in order to love God with everything we have, we need to be connected to him with all that we have in everything that we do. Think of it this way. Connecting with God helps us know him better. I don't think that's a mind or earth-shattering thought to anyone that's in the room tonight, that connecting to him is a way to know him better. But I would say that it's a challenging thought that a lot of us have started at some point and not been able to finish completely. Maybe if we started reading our Bibles more, we made a commitment that we were going to pray more or we made a commitment that we weren't going to hang out with that group of people, or we weren't going to listen to that type of music. And somewhere along that commitment, we've fallen off. For some of you, this summer you made the commitment that you were going to rededicate your life to God, that you were going to start walking with God for the first time, that you were going to show your friends in the world that I have decided to follow Jesus by being baptized. And here we are, a few days from school, And if you were to look back at how you've been living the last couple of weeks, those statements that you made in Panama City Beach or those statements that you made at a tribe night or those statements that you made in your bedroom after you looked at porn for the fifth time that week and said you weren't going to do it again doesn't stand true. For some reason, you feel like I haven't been able to uphold my end of the deal. Not all the times, but in most cases, the things that cause this spiral of shame that some of you are caught in, and I've been there, is not being connected to God. The feeling of feeling distanced 
a lot of times has nothing to do with God moving. It's with us not approaching him in a humble, consistent way. You see, connecting with God will help you know him better, but connecting with an invisible God will take effort. It will take time making connection. It takes time making connection a habit. You see, loving God with all of our heart, mind, and soul and strength means that we're putting in the effort over time to make it happen. It's not just something that happens in a one-night hyper-emotional decision at camp. It's not just something that happens because you're in your floor after committing the same sin over and over again and asking God to break you from an addiction. It's something that happens over time when you're committed to loving God with everything that you have, heart, mind, soul, and strength. So how do we do that? Well, there's a lot of ways to connect with God, so we're going to start with one simple idea. Spend time with him. For a lot of you, that might feel awkward. I know when I was your age, it, I was in a room similar to this, and the pastor was like, it's easy to connect with God. Just spend time with him. And my thoughts were like, that's awesome. God can't meet me at Starbucks to drink a drink and talk about my day. But you see, even though God might be invisible, there are still some practical ways that you can spend time with him. And over the next few weeks in this series, we're going to talk more specifically about ways that you could spend time with God. But this week, I want to give you a challenge to spend 15 minutes each day with God. Doing what? Here's some ideas. Listen to worship music and think about God while you're doing it. I know for a lot of people in the room, worship music is not your jam. It's not your first playlist that you put on. But I want to encourage you that balance. I'm not even asking you to do 50-50, like just one worship song. If you pick the right worship song, it's like three minutes. If you pick the wrong one, you're going to be listening to that same song for 15 minutes. Anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> huh, you're funny, but you do. Um, but just listen to some worship music and think about God. Or maybe you can go for a walk and pray, talking to God about the things that you're grateful for or need help with. Um, there's a song that recently came out on a worship album that talks about the many miracles that God has given us, millions of these little miracles that we miss every day because we're so busy and we're so entrapped in our phones. So like, just take some time, go for a walk, or take some time to sit down and write down the things that God's done for you in your day. Or maybe for you, you can write down some prayers, thoughts, or questions you have in a journal. Or maybe even just log on to your YouVersion Bible app on your phone and find a devotional to read. I want to encourage you to pick one and go for it. Or come up with some ideas with your friends on how to build habits to get to know God in everyday ways. Whatever you decide, it doesn't have to be perfect or feel magical. It just has to be a step in the right direction. There's one goal and one point of spending time with God. And that's to get to know him better by connecting with him, like connecting with a power source. To begin to build into our lives the space for a habit of time to spend with God. Just know whatever you decide to try, it might look different for you than it does for me or than it does for your friend that's sitting next to you. Because just like there are endless ways that you connect with your friends, seeing them at school, hanging out with them on the weekend, being on a sports team with them, commenting on their social media. There are endless ways for you to connect with God. The point isn't how you do it. The point is that you do it. 
and you do it over and over again, making a habit and a pattern to spend time with him. Getting to know and connecting with a God we can't see will take time and feel awkward at times. It would take creating a habit over time before it starts to feel easier and more natural. But I love this phrase from the book of James in the New Testament. It says this, come near to God and he will come near to you. This is a verse that is very easy to memorize, James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. In those times where you feel like he's far away, this verse tells us, James writes, all you simply have to do is come near to God and he will come near to you. You see, there's no magic formula about this. It's just taking the time to make it a habit. Over time, we will find ourselves closer to God, and he will feel closer to us. Even though God is with us all the time, the habit of spending time with him will eventually bring a feeling of closeness we maybe haven't experienced with him before. So I want you to do this. Imagine for a second you've made it a habit of connecting with God. What if, because of this habit, you felt comfortable with him, closer to him? What if, in the process of spending time with him, you really begin to notice yourself loving God with more of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength? How cool would it be and how cool would it feel like if you were connected to a power presence, and love of God. Here's the thing. God wants to make a habit out of spending time with him. He wants us to make a habit out of spending time with him, of getting close to him, not because he wants to control you or control me, but he wants us to form this habit because he wants to be close to us. You can think of it this way. He's a good God who wants a good relationship with his creation, and his creation includes you. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for everything that you're doing. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to ultimately come to earth and give up every right that he had to live a perfect life on this earth to die for our sins to create a way for us to even begin to imagine being close to you. God, I pray for the students that are in this room or listening that are struggling with feeling far from you. God, I pray that they just heed the words of James, that they will just continue to draw near to you because we know that when we do that, you will draw near back to us. God, I pray that you help us to get past any awkwardness of trying to form a relationship with you a lot of times it's a lot simpler to just give up. It's a lot simpler to just not focus on building a relationship with you. But I pray that in this room that we will hold each other accountable to the time that we're spending with you, the way that we're talking, the music that we're listening to. God, I pray that this week you make it very easy for us to spend 15 minutes a day at least with you worshiping or praying or just thanking you for the things that are happening in our lives. God, I pray that as these students get ready to go back to school, that you would give them the best year yet. 
that even in a time of uncertainty and in a time where, peop where people are fighting about masks, that you would just allow them to use this year at school to lead other people to Jesus. To not just build their own platforms, to, but to build platforms where they can pro proclaim the gospel to a dying world in a dying region. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for everything that you do for us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.